0: To then move into this this era was, was great to see and and see that theater come to life again after being dark and after covid and people in the seats it's, it's great to see
1: that for me is my favorite part and just help be a teeny tiny part of the performance and just bring in bringing the art to life and bringing performances to life for people to come see again
0: when it's safe when you feel comfortable get back out there go and see live performance it is not the same as the highly edited things that you find on, on your streaming services.
1: Music is emotional for people. They find that connection, whether you perform, whether you play an instrument, and missing that over the last year and being able to go back and find that, like appreciate the theater, appreciate performance, appreciate that connection. Hello, and welcome to the Theater at Life podcast, sponsored by
2: Harlequin Floors the world leader in floors, stage systems, and studio equipment for the performing arts. Our podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. In the lead up to LDI in Las Vegas this November, Theatre Art Life is catching up with some of the companies who are exhibiting at the conference. Today on the show we have Whitney Winkles and Patrick Finn from Wenger. Wenger Corporation provides innovative stage, sound, and storage solutions for performing arts, music, theatre, education, and athletics programs around the world. In the performance realm, they offer stage engineering and rigging, sound isolation solutions, acoustic solutions, orchestra pit fillers and stage extensions, flexible staging solutions, audience seating, performance-based furnishings, and training, inspection, and maintenance programs. Patrick Finn is the Performing Arts Product Manager. Whitley Winkles is the Marketing and Communications Manager for Performing Arts. Whitney and Patrick, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having us.
2: Thank
1: you for having us.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. Now, can you both tell me a little bit about what your roles are within Wenger? I mean, I know your titles, but what you do and how long you've worked for the company. Maybe we'll start with you, Patrick.
0: Yeah, so I started uh, with the company in 2009. started out as a project manager, doing uh, project management for various rigging installations around the country, Uh, and then moved into the product development role or product manager role in 2015. 14 or so. So, I've been doing product development, assisting with the marketing and communications with Whitney, making sure that uh, we're taking a look at what's going on in, in, in theaters, what people are needing, making sure that what, we, uh, what we're working on is, is going to fulfill those needs and helping to, uh, to improve the lives of people who are trying to work on productions and, and install uh, install scenery, uh, lighting, et cetera.
1: And you, Whitney? Yeah, so I joined Wanger Corporation in 2016 as the marketing communications manager for performing arts. Uh, so in that role, I get to work with our organizations, both in Owatonna and in Syracuse. So we have facilities in Owatonna, Minnesota, as well as in Syracuse, New York. Uh, so I get to be a nice liaison between that and travel quite a bit between the two But then there. And with that, also work very closely with Patrick, as he is the performing arts product manager Then there. But really, the goal is to get the, the great word about the breadth of products and services we offer as Wenger Corporation as a whole, from rigging to theater solutions, to seating, to staging, kind of across the board, out to our broader audiences.
2: That's great. And you do have a, a large, um, you know, offerings for the theatrical realm. And and do you, Patrick, did you come from the theater realm before joining Wenger?
0: I did, yeah. So I I started in, uh, in high school working uh, summer stock theater at uh, the Ohio Light Opera. Uh, started out pushing a broom and pointing a spotlight, and then eventually building scenery and then uh, doing the technical design for scenery all through high school and college. And then after uh, graduating, worked in regional theater and opera up and down the East Coast of the U.S. Had a great time doing it, but was involved in a renovation at one of the theaters uh, that I was working at and uh, got to the opportunity to work with a theater consulting firm. It was actually Shuler Shook, Minneapolis, and uh, was just... Intrigued, incredibly intrigued with the concept of weight. You can design the theater building itself. Um, it hadn't even occurred to me, and uh, kind of became obsessed with the idea. And not too long after that, started looking for and found a job as a theater consultant, project manager, theater consultant for Charles Kosler Theater Design in New York City, and uh, worked with him for for some time, and really started to learn the the, the process and the ways in which theaters get designed and then built. Uh, and eventually turned into the performance spaces that I was used to uh, to working with. So I had a, a great learning experience there, and uh, and eventually had the opportunity to go work for JR Clancy in Syracuse, New York. And took that opportunity, moved uh, moved from Manhattan to to Syracuse, New York. A little bit of culture shock, but uh, we got over it. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been really enjoying my my time in this industry since, and and really creating the space and the technology that I wish I had when I was uh, working in theater just to make things easier so that we could you know we spent so much time doing things because we had to that it took away from the ability to just have fun making the art and uh, and I think this opportunity has given me the chance to focus in on making the, uh, the the work that people do in the theater easier so that they can focus on why they're in theater which is is the creation of the performance.
2: Mm. It's really fascinating because a lot of the people that we've been speaking to in the lead up to LDI, even though they might be product managers or product developers, they often come from the grassroots of the the theatre, real world, you know. And I think personally, I think it's just so, and you probably agree, like it's so important that you understand the grassroots of what people need to do in the theatre. I don't know how many times I've stood in a theater where it's been like why was it designed this way, right? So <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to help design it and help build it, if you've worked in it, you might know you have a better grounding for what actually that theater might need, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely and that's uh, you know, I I so much of what I'm thinking about is oh, that time when we had to do this load in and uh, this, this all went awry because of this. How can we, how can we solve for that problem? A lot of what we do is manufacturing. We, we build things. A lot of what we do is contracting. We install them into buildings with general contractors. I've had to learn that portion of the business since then, but I still go back to, you know, theater is the reason I'm in this and, and what I'm, what I'm here to do. And, uh, and I think there's, that that's why I love it. That's why I'm probably, uh, in this, in this industry for, uh, for life.
1: Mm-hmm. And Whitney, did you have any background in performing arts or did you have to learn on the job? Mine's a, a little bit less exciting than Patrick's within there. So <laughs> no, mine was a little bit of a learn on the job, unless you consider performing arts doing the children's theater, high school and collegiate theater But then there. I was the one that probably Patrick and all of uh, the others in the theater were yelling at because I could never find my light or find my spot on stage <laughs> while performing. So I was always kind of on the front doing some of the performances with vocal and acting. I was in there, but no, I have a love of music. I've played piano and done musical since I was about three years old. So it's been kind of a love of that. But I kind of was drawn to Wenger and into this position, where I was kind of looking at Wenger as the segment. So we have performing arts, which Patrick and I are both devote to and love that section. But then at Wenger, we also have music education, where you're talking rehearsal rooms and storage um, for some teachers and band and choral within there, as well as athletic division. Well, my background, too, is I was highly involved in music. Um, just throughout growing up within there. But I also played collegiate athletics as well. So I had kind of that knowledge of the athletic side moving in. But uh, my heart belongs in theatre. If I could get back out and perform a good, I would. But uh, that won't yeah. be happening. Soon, so.
2: <laughs> so you guys have such a, a kind of a, a wide range of services and systems within under the Performing Arts banner. And, and what is it What's been evolving in in those sort of technologies and areas in the last sort of five to ten years uh that's been exciting
0: boy there's as you said there's a there's a wide breadth of different uh different products that all go into you know facilitate the the use of a the theater and I think each of them probably takes their own path. One of the biggest things that's happening on the the front I'm closest to in in theatrical rigging is just standardization I would say. 20, 30 years ago, if you wanted to install a motorized uh, rigging set in your, in your theater, you would call up a theater consultant who would try and lay it out, say, well, how much do you want it to lift? How wide is it? And they would coordinate with the rigging manufacturer to sort of come up with that design, integrate it directly into your building, design it just for that space, just for that purpose. And In the last decade or more, there's been a big shift from that to you know what we're going to design one platform that can fit into a myriad of spaces, and it's really uh, made it easier for more performance spaces to take advantage of technology. Counterweight rigging has been the, the the standard for nearly a century. Um, Ever <laughs> Exactly. Since since it was sandbags, uh, since Peter Clark and uh, and Jared Clancy moved from sandbags to uh, to counterweight rigging. The shift is, is only picking out steam. So more and more, we're seeing performance spaces, both on the professional level, integrating motorized rigging. Uh, we're seeing, you know, roadhouses going to an all-hoist all, all hoist type setup, which we, you would have never seen not too long ago. But also on the, on the education side, a, a significant number of the theaters that we're a part of, that we're building today, are high school theaters. You know, there's just more, a greater quantity of those being built. And so a lot of those are taking advantage of the safety improvements that you have from motorized rigging the uh, the fact that you can have people moving things without having to adjust counterweight the risk of a runaway set, safety features like load sensing being built in to protect against if there's a if there's an issue that is being incorporated more and more as just the standard of what you should expect in a in a theater that's being built today um, so that's been a, a pretty seismic shift over even even my career uh in this industry
2: yeah i was gonna ask actually because I, you do still offer counterweight systems right um as part of your product offering is what's the percentage now of interest versus you know automated systems are people still buying the counterweight systems is it you know 10 percent, 20 percent? what what's the interest in that
0: yeah it absolutely people are definitely still uh still uh, installing counterweight. There's there's a lot of good reasons for counterweight. A, a, a trained staff at a roadhouse, you can load in a show in in a relatively short amount of time. You know you have a lot of a lot of hands on deck. You have people uh, people loading counterweight up top, but you can get that done very quickly. Motorized rigging. You have the, the programming, and at this point, you know the the it, you do have that that programming portion. So rather than just saying fly person go, uh, you got to build that into the into the queue, which. For a roadhouse can take a little bit longer, uh, so a lot of those types of facilities we're still seeing counterweights. And then at the education or collegiate level, we're seeing a lot of hybrid systems. So maybe the facility wants to take advantage of the increased safety on the sets that they use most, their orchestra shell that the uh, that the uh, conductor might have end up moving to set up for for a rehearsal or a performance the electric sets where we're very often stripping the, the lights at the end of a show or having to adjust more often. Electric sets are probably the most common set uh, at risk for a runaway where you bring the, you bring the baton in at the end of the the, the production. Everyone's tired. You've got to get the rental package out. You strip the, uh, you strip all the lights and you don't take the counterweight off of the arbor. That's probably the the most common circumstance where we're seeing runaways And for that reason, we're seeing those sets most often integrated into into motorization. You asked about percentage. um, Yeah. I don't think I know that off the top of my head, but it has been a a shift in my career in terms of just the number of sets that we've seen Mm -hmm. uh, more and more motors going out uh, compared to counterweight.
2: And that's really good that that sort of stuff comes into the education system as well, because when people go out into the the real world, there's so much more automation than and, and, and motorised equipment in in systems and gen, general theatrical productions as it is. And still, I think it's such a evolving technology automation in, in theatrical terms, right? So it's it's not new, but it's still new. There's still not a swath of automation operators across the world ready to operate automated systems. I've worked on shows where we're trying to hire more automation operators and it's just hard to find right so the more that they come out of the education system having that kind of training the better
0: yeah yeah absolutely and, and having that hybrid system enables you to learn both and and come out into the world prepared for the theater that's been around for 80 years and hasn't been touched and the uh the theater that was uh was or the production that's just being built and is all automated
2: yeah. Oh, there's nothing like knowing the fundamentals of counter counterweight systems, anyway. Right. So,
0: <laughs>
2: and so, Whitney, with your background in music and stuff, you you've got a lot of stuff within the the audio realm. I was I was looking at your website, and I, I was kind of I'm kind of like a storage Nazi. I'm like oh, I've got all these storage offerings that I thought is really cool. And and so, is that a big part of the performing arts realm? And, and do you servicing schools or theaters or where does the
1: storage stuff come in? Both. Both within there. So in the storage, you're looking a lot in the rehearsal space as well when you're looking at instrument storage, especially when you're looking at the high school collegiate level. But then there'll be even in some other theaters. We're looking at a higher level where they still need, you know, have somebody has separate sets or something where they're needing to do that. We have wardrobe storage, portable storage within there as well. So it's really useful just kind of throughout the whole gamut um, when you're looking at K through 12 organizations versus collegiate versus professional within there as well. Another thing that we touch on that I'd say that has grown in the last decade or so too has been the technology in the audio realm, um, especially in rehearsal or in theater. So we offer a product too, that can change kind of the, the atmosphere in which somebody can perform. So you can make it sound like you're within a cathedral. You can customize it to a specific space. at kind of the touch of a button. So that's kind of been the technology aspect that Patrick spoke on, you know, on the rigging side of things is also kind of taking full force out into the house and onto the stage as well where um, we're seeing just technological advances year over year and trying just to keep up with that and see what's going to come out next and how we can help benefit not only the performers, but also the audience members and people who attend those performances. Mm-hmm.
2: So what does that look like when you talk about that, uh, like the, those sort of different sort of states? How, how does that work?
0: Yeah. So uh, uh, our active acoustics product line is is what we're looking at. And more and more facilities today, especially at the education level, but even on the, uh, on the uh, uh, professional level, need to be designed to do multiple types of production types. So one night you might have uh, the musical coming in, everything's amplified. Uh, the next night you might have a speaker, you might have somebody on stage speaking, and the next night you might have an orchestral or a choral performance the acoustic needs of each of those groups is very different. So when you're looking at amplified music, uh, you need a a small amount of reverberation. But when you're looking at amplified speaking, you need as little reverberation as possible so that you can hear the articulation of the speaker. You know, if you have a large venue, one person speaking, it can be very difficult if there's uh, nice reverberation to understand what that person is saying. But when that choral concert comes in and you're doing the... uh, the, you know the the big holiday concert. You want that ringing sound after everything has uh, has stopped, after the last note has been held, and that building a facility that can naturally do all of those acoustics is uh, very expensive. There, there, it can absolutely be done. There's some beautiful performance spaces that have uh, variable acoustics through banners, through moving walls, but it can be very expensive. And when you look at the uh, the average educational theater or even uh, civic theater, the the budgets nowadays, aren't necessarily allowing that. So one way to get around that is to build the facility for that drier for that less reverberant, and then to provide the reverberance digitally. Um, the technology has come a long way where with just a few microphones and speakers placed throughout the, the facility, we can digitally create the acoustics that you would hear if it were a large reverberant space with hard walls, even though we don't have that natural acoustic sound in there. And that's been a been a big shift and i think it's it's gained a lot of momentum in uh, in recent years in that acoustics environment because it really just it enables one space to do a lot of things in a much better way than it has in the past
2: that's amazing i didn't even know that was a that was a thing that existed so i so i have totally learned something today it's great I guess the other thing is, you know, when it comes to like sort of staging and and, and audience seating and stuff like that, what is is it that Wenger uh, supports schools or professional um, institutions with those sort of things?
0: So we have a a line of staging, our stage tech staging. Uh, We also have our uh, pit fillers, which is a a form of staging. I'll start with that. So in performance spaces, we often have a place for the uh, the orchestra to play beneath the the stage level and uh, being able to transform that space. From just a pit in the in the front of the stage to a, an extended apron, so that you have a, a better performance space and, and performances that don't require orchestral accompaniment, it, it enables that uh, the performer to be closer to the audience, uh, have that intimacy. And this is not a new concept. We've had pit lifts and pit fillers for for a long time. But the important thing about it is just structural integrity. If you look on YouTube, uh, not terribly. Terribly long. You can find uh, several issues where you had students jumping on the the front of a stage, and it all collapsed because it was home built. Ensuring that that uh, that pit filler is designed for the the loads that you might expect to see, and and in compliance with the international building code. Um, so that's our our Vers- Versalite and Strata pit fillers, and then we have the Stage Tech staging, and uh, Stage Tech uh, is four by eight and other size platforms that uh, that are also. Compliant with the uh, the IBC rating requirements and can provide tiers for an orchestral setup, for a choral setup. Uh, you could use it for for integration with scenery. We have some customers who who will build their own custom platforms around it, but use those as their four by eight decks. And it just is a, a lightweight, easier to uh, to store, easier to manage. Uh, you're not cutting legs and figuring out uh, all of that. Uh, really, really nice setup for. Uh, the facilities that aren't geared up to have full production shops that have the ability to design platforms that are rated for what they need to do. So
2: now that's really interesting. So it's so important to have. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools, from the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages, working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia-Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. There's been a lot of talk about safety in, in performing arts recently and I think it's something that's a big issue, not a big issue, but something that people have to be wary of, wary of especially coming out of the pandemic, when there's a rush to put things back on and 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 get things going. You know, we've got the you know that the shooting on the Rust movie set and you've got that crushing that's happened at the concert recently, um, which was quite tragic and, you know, it's something I always remember at the, I was terrified we had a, at the Sydney Opera House concert hall, they have a, a, a pit and there ended up being a show that I did that got a little bit out of control. This is in Australia, and uh, they the front of stage turned into a mosh pit, and I was terrified that the pit was going to th- fall through because the Sydney Opera House concert hall is definitely not a venue that you expect to turn into a mosh pit, and I, <laughs> I was hoping that it wasn't going to collapse, uh, but we were lucky that day. So, <laughs> so Whitney, you're, are you going to be at LDI uh, in a few days?
1: Yeah, we'll be heading out to Las Vegas here next week, and. Get everything set up and excited to see people again. Yeah, and they absolutely. can have some of that face to face time that we've been missing for the last couple of years. And what do you guys?
2: What are you? Will you be showcasing out there?
1: Uh, so within our booth specifically, so we'll have some new motion control technology. We launched uh, Vanta's pendant last year. So Patrick will be demoing that in the booth as well. I'll volunteer him right now. He'll be our demonstration um, guru on that. We'll also have, we have a Lido light fixture, which is designed specifically to be used in acoustical shells, specifically our Wanger Diva and Maestro shell. We will have the Lido there um, as well, so people can see kind of the new advances within that and what technology we've been working on across the board in uh, 2020 and 2021. And we'll also have some of our staging that Patrick mentioned, some of the stage deck um, out there as well. And uh, we'll have some of our lighting integration on Showcase this year, which will be something new, new in the booth for people to come see and talk to us about.
2: That's great. So you work with lighting lighting companies, right? To sort of supplement your your current services. How does that how does that work? Because you don't, you're not actually a supplier of lighting systems. Am, am I correct?
1: Correct. So we are a lighting integrator. Um, so we do lighting integration services. So we have some key partner vendors that we work with, which will some will also be at LDI. So we can walk people around, be able to have that conversation up um, close with them. But really we have a team based um solely in lighting they work through kind of the service, the installation, the estimation, really work to provide one point of contact for the end users and for the clients and consultants just to work through, just to make things easier to run through. So you're looking at one person to contact, but it could be from multiple manufacturers, which is something unique that we can bring to the table. Mm-hmm.
2: So generally clients are coming to you to do to do sort of multiple, multiple facets within their one theatrical space. Maybe it's going to be acoustics, it's gonna have some uh, you know, automated hoist systems. They're doing an overhaul of their space and then lighting might be included in that. So you pull that under your banner. Is that correct?
1: Yes, correct. Yeah. So we offer a very broad selection of products and services at Wanger, uh, between our Wanger and Jared see, brands of performing arts sites. So it's very common for people to come and need multi, you know, multi-uses and multiple products and selections that we can then service and run through our project teams. Hmm.
2: And do you work mostly in the US, or are you doing stuff uh, beyond beyond the US in terms of uh, global services?
1: Yeah, we work globally. For most, I'd say for ninety five percent of our service, everything is offered globally. Right, amazing.
2: And so, um, Patrick, when you be showcasing um, some of the equipment there, um, I mean, how much space you got on the, the 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 floor? It sounds like you're gonna have to bring a lot of equipment.
0: Yeah, we uh, we have a decent space, uh, twenty by fifty, I believe, on the on the floor. So. Yeah, come hang out if uh, if you're in town. But uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be showing off the uh, the new Vantis uh, pendant controller as well as a, another new offering to the line. And excited to uh, to walk people through it. I mentioned earlier about one of the things that's important to me is looking back at how we did things when I was doing it and, and ve- very inefficiently when when I was doing it at most of the places, and seeing how that could have been done if we had had the the technology and the, the equipment to do it in a in a better way. And with the new Vantus Consoles. I'm thrilled to be able to uh, show the, show these off. Show off, uh, you know how how we think we can help aid in the process of load-ins, load-outs, uh, controlling during the show. It's going to be pretty, pretty exciting.
2: It's interesting because uh, over this in this part of the world, when things went quiet for a while over the pandemic, a lot of people, a lot of venues took the opportunity to upgrade their systems. Did you find that over the pandemic that people were like, well, if we're downtime, this is a good time to to do some upgrades?
0: Yeah, yeah, no question. I, uh, I just got back from a, a venue in New Jersey. It was uh, built in 1929, a grand, uh, a grand uh, movie palace, and they were using hemp sets, sandbags, and rope up until wow. uh, 2020. And uh, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, they upgraded to all motorized sets, and uh, they just had their first load in and their first show a few weeks ago. So I was. They're helping them, helping them load in and uh, it's just just remarkable to see that, that this old old theater with with technology that you couldn't have fathomed at the time um, <laughs> you're still we were still lighting with gas, I think, but uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> that, that
0: for them to, that to then move into this this era was was great to see and, and see that theater come to life again after being dark and after COVID and people in the seats it's It's great to see.
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. So, one thing we always ask our uh, guests um, before we finish our podcast, I'm going to ask you both that. The, what? Uh, I'll start maybe with you, Patrick. What's your? What's the most favorite thing about your your job?
0: Uh, I think it's being able to be a part of solutions that actually help people. I remember sitting on stage at 2 a.m. during a load in and just. Exhausted we've been doing this for for several days, trying to get this done, trying to get this show up and running, and being able to s- step back and think about is there a way that we can make this easier so that people can have more enjoyment out of creating the art out of you know th- that's the reason I got into theater I, I loved it I, you know taking this this crazy idea, this crazy set design and making it come to life on stage, and all of the little things that just took so much time, so much effort, getting. Those to be more efficient, more making the space more usable. I I won't say that I'm uh, by any means uh, the the architect of making all of that happen, but but being able to be a small part and just you know maybe help somebody at some place create art more efficiently and and maybe uh, maybe have more fun doing it, mm.
2: and less hours.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I, uh, I certainly would have taken that uh, you know fifteen years ago
1: back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And what about you, Whitney? i say it's very similar along the lines of Patrick, only I have the benefit of once these spaces are created to go out and with my position to go do the photography, the video, and really see the see the venues before they open. So we always get a little sneak peek. So for me, my favorite part is actually going into the venue, speaking with the architects, the designers, the consultants, the engineers, people who helped bring that space together, and really learning the entire story and just how vastly different every space is. I mean, every performance space has their similarities and what you know, kind of the standards are. But then looking at how the architecture differs and how they bring customization—just things that I wouldn't even be able to fathom until you walk into a space. That—that that for me is my favorite part, and just help be a teeny tiny part of the performance and just bring bringing the art to life and bringing the performances to life for people to come see again.
2: Oh, that's amazing! And I have to commend you on your amount of video content on the site with those case studies and stuff. <laughs> no, I, I know it takes time to like, you know, get that, and also for people to. Um... You know, with Theatre Art Life, we're always producing stuff as well. It takes a lot of work. So I, I acknowledge that work that comes into the uh the Wenger case studies and stuff. It's a lot, it's a lot there. Um thank you. <laughs> uh and and then what would be it's it's an interesting question also post pandemic. Is there anything that you would change about the industry or the job that you'd like to see shift in the next few years, Patrick? Have you got something that comes to mind?
0: Yeah, I, you know what I'd love to see is more people involved and more people appreciating it. We, there's a lot, of, a lot of effort that goes into creating some amazing experiences in theater and performing arts, in, in music. And, and I've seen a, a cultural shift where we're, we're all more comfortable on our couches, and I'm a uh, culprit of it as well. But when, it, when it's safe, when you feel comfortable, get back out there. Go and see live performance. It is not the same as the highly edited things that you find on on your streaming services. It's a different experience, at least in my opinion. And I'd love to see more of our world get to experience that and understand how that experience can entertain them, can shape them, can uh, help them think about things differently in the world. There's so many Wonderful things in every, you know, every town in America. Whether it's uh, the community theater or the high school performance or your regional theater, Broadway, big shows uh, in in uh, resort towns. All of these things are just so different than what you can experience elsewhere when you're seeing them live. And I, I hope that uh, more people can realize that and and get to enjoy it in the way that that I do.
2: Oh, I love that! I totally concur.
1: What about you, Whitney? I say the same. It's really. If anything, the pandemic has taught us, I think, and you know, having things taken away so quickly, but performance is really finding that music is emotional for people. They find that connection whether you perform, whether you play an instrument, whether you go watch, even if you're, you watch your child or your niece or nephew or friend, you know, at that high school or elementary performance, and missing that over the last year and being able to go back and find that. But really, to what Patrick's point was, the appreciation. Like appreciate the theater, appreciate the performance, appreciate that connection that the students, the performers, you know, professionals can make with an audience. And for me walking in and being fairly new to theater realm um, on the professional level is really understanding, appreciating what all goes into making that come to life and really find that, find that emotional connection again. And I just hope, and I try and ingrain it in my own family and my own kids too, to just have an appreciation for that and for the arts. And for music and theater in general, and just hope that that continues to live on, and hopefully continue to make the advances uh, that we've been seeing in theater, and just see it where it goes. It's an exciting time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That, that keeps it interesting for us in the industry, anyway. As the as the technology <laughs> as the technology
1: advances, <laughs> so test where what's your booth
2: number in at LDI? Do you know it off the top of your head?
1: We are we are now in two two four five. So 2245 is where you will find us. Uh, we did move recently. So if you have an old booth mapping on there, you won't find us there. Come to 2245. I'm so
2: impressed. I've asked everybody that are in LDI what their number was, and it has never come up that quickly. So <laughs> kudos to you Whitney. you had it yeah. <laughs> And how does people, I mean, what's the best way to contact you guys or the like through the website um, if people are interested in your products and services, where do, where do they go?
1: Yeah, I'd say you can either visit. So we have um, a JR Clancy website. If you're interested more on the rigging and theatrical side of that, you can go to www.jrclancy.com. And there's a contact us page within that site. Um, you can connect with a sales representative. You can connect with the project management team, service team uh, within there. And if you're interested on some of the Wanger products or even on the Wanger performing arts side, um, you can also find us at www.wangercorp.com. Uh, within there and click on Performing Arts and you can find a contact us as well as links to all of our products and services. Amazing. Well, great. Thank you,
2: Patrick. And thank you, Whitney, for uh, spending half an hour with us at Theatre Life. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great time at LDI seeing people and I guess having a great time being around the uh, entertainment industry in the real sense after, after a year off, right?
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at uh, the next one. Yep. Yeah,
2: 2022. Thank you for <laughs> Theatre at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theatreartlife.com.